0: Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. This crisis on the board is all because of bad policies by the Biden administration.
1: There can be no simple solution with a neighbor like Russia Federation. We agree with a one-China policy. Based upon Biden's numbers, they said expect 18,000 people a day. We're writing the new rules for the 21st century economy.
0: Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It's News and Views for a Monday. The rain is, uh, it's not at your doorstep, it's on the way. Uh, We need it, and uh, it's going to come in pretty heavy over the next 24 hours. Congratulations to those Pirates. How about them Pirates? East Carolina eight-year head coach Cliff Godwin. And junior Carter Spivey, along with nine other Pirates, highlighted the 2022 American Athletic Conference Awards. As announced by the league office earlier this afternoon, the 10-player selection over the first and second teams are the most in program history. Godwin, who led the Pirates to their third consecutive AAC regular season title with a 20-win-4-loss uh, record in the conference, was named the league coach of the year for the fourth time in his career. He has guided ECU to three straight 20-win seasons, and his club is currently riding the nation's best nation's best 14-game winning streak heading into the ACC Championships. Spivey became the first relief pitcher to be named the American Pitcher of the Year after leading the league in ERA with a 2.31. Joining Spivey on the first-team selection were Zach Agnos, Ryder Giles and Lane Hoover, six additional Pirates, were on the second team. ECU will return to play tomorrow when they face South Florida in the second game of the championship. Uh, The first pitch is slated for approximately 12.30 at Bay Care Park in Clearwater, Florida. It will be streamed on ESPN Plus and our sister station 94.3 The Game will have all the play-by-play, so uh, tune in starting at about, I think the pregame will start at uh, noon. So uh, 12.30 will the, be the first pitch tomorrow afternoon. Madison Cawthorn, his uh, troubles continue. I, you know, it, it might be the best thing for the guy that he lost. I, I I'm, I'm not being sarcastic. I mean, the guy is his own worst enemy. News & Observer and other media outlets are reporting this afternoon that Madison Cawthorn is now under investigation by the U.S. House Committee on Ethics over two questions. And again, they're investigating. I'm not saying he's guilty. Two questions, whether he engaged in insider trading. And this other one is a little weird. The other is whether he had an inappropriate relationship with a staffer that being his scheduler, who was also his second cousin. The committee declined to investigate Cawthorn over against uh, against the charges of him driving while his license was revoked and uh, speeding. News of the investigation came Monday afternoon, and news releases from the Democratic chairperson and top Republican on the ethics committee. The news releases stress that just because an investigation has been started does not mean any wrongdoing has been, has taken place. Again, yeah, it doesn't mean he's guilty, but um, he is being investigated on those two issues. Of course, he lost last week to uh, Chuck Edwards. So uh, he is a one-term wonder in uh, Congress. Interestingly, George Will was in Raleigh last week. He was sp- speaking at an event, I think it was at the Raleigh Museum, the News and Observer sat down and talked to George Will about his thoughts on a variety of subjects, but it included Madison Cawthorn. Uh, question asked to again, this is the con, well, I would say conservative George Will. I I used to have a lot of respect for George Will. I uh, last few years, George Will not the conservative that he used to be. Uh, and by the way, he is not a fan of Donald Trump. Uh, that's pretty obvious. So he was asked. There's been a lot of analysts. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, a lot of analysis about what led to Madison Cawthorne's downfall. That was put in the form of a question. George Will says, "Well, he gets full credit. I mean, he's kind of a kamikaze candidate. I don't know what possessed him to say the things he did, but he's a young man, and suddenly he's thrust in the spotlight." And some people find that intoxicating. And I would say he was inebriated by the celebrity and crashed and burned. I think, again, I'm not the George Will fan I used to be a few years ago, but I think he got that one right. Uh, they went on to ask, do you think he still has a political future after this loss? George Will said, I think it's a little hard to bounce back from this. I mean, people will say, you know, there's are, there are – 330 million people in the country, and there are a fair number of people in Western North Carolina. Why do we have to choose someone who has gone way out of his way to get embarrassed and embarrass the region and to make us all look a little bit weird for voting for him? I would agree with that as well. I think Madison Cawthorn is done. It'll be interesting to see what he does next, but I think he's done. Uh, Interesting polling. Out of uh, ECU Center for Survey Research, uh, interesting takeaways. Um, the The main part of this poll it deals with Ted Budd. And granted, I, I realize that we are a long way away from the November election. Nonetheless, according to this ECU poll, Ted Budd leads Cherry Beasley. By eight points among registered voters in North Carolina. Now, eight points by registered voters. Now, if you're a likely voter, you're going to be a lot more informed about this race. A registered voter, eh, a little bit. But uh, I, I would. Just, the the point I am making is, if he is eight points ahead from registered voters, he's probably ten or twelve points ahead from likely voters. Republicans lead generic congressional votes by three points in North Carolina. And again, remember, traditionally, we are down by four points. So the fact that we're ahead by three really means it's a swing of about seven points. Biden's approval rating is just 35 percent in the Tar Heel state. The latest ECU Poll of Registered Voters in North Carolina conducted May 19th through the 20th finds Republican nominee Ted Budd with an eight-point lead over Beasley, 47% to 39%, with the remaining 12% of the poll respondents saying they're undecided, 2% expressing support for some other candidate. I can't believe that the undecideds, at least the the majority of the undecideds, are going to fall in Beasley's favor. Uh, I mean, with all that has gone on, with all the spending that has gone on just in the primary, uh, pretty hard to believe that you are uh, undecided in this. Uh, What else is in this poll? Among individuals with a four-year college degree, Bud is ahead of Beasley, 51 to 31%. That's a 20-point margin. However, among respondents with a four-year college degree or higher, Beasley leads Bud 47% to 43%. Isn't that interesting? You would think that, the more you're educated, the smarter you are. <laughs> the more you're educated, apparently, the more liberal you are. That, that, what does that tell you about how our colleges are indoctrinating our students? Of the 12% of registered voters who are undecided, 68% do not have a college degree compared to 32% who do. Um, when asked how they plan to vote in the congressional races, 47% of registered voters say they intend to vote for Republicans And 44% say they intend to uh, vote for Democrats. And again, um, likely voters, how many of those have no clue who's even running? Approval for Biden's job performance stands at 35% with 55% disapproving. Also, when they asked how they would vote in a 2024 presidential election, if it were held today, between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, um, 37% would vote for Biden. 46% said they would vote for Trump a nine percent advantage and assessing the full results of the poll the uh, survey remarked that president biden's current job approval rating of 35 percent in north carolina presents a major obstacle for democrats running for office in the state although it's still very early granted i agree with that it is very early Um, the poll was conducted may 19th through the 20th so that was immediately after the Uh, primary of last week. Now, um, what's interesting about this also is there was an article out, I think it was back in February, talking about the fact that Chuck Schumer's super PAC, and basically Chuck Schumer, head of the Senate for the Democrats, he's going to have a lot of influence in where the money is spent. Well, these uh, political packs and political parties, the DNC, the RNC, and others, they will go out and they will basically put money down and reserve ad space for advertising for the November uh, the November election with uh, media outlets, with television stations, radio stations. In some case, uh, they will go out and spend dollars to make sure their candidates will have the premier space, the prime time spots, et cetera. Chuckles the Clown Schumer, his super PAC, they have reserved zero dollars for Sherry Beasley in North Carolina. They've they've gone out and reserved time in other states. North Carolina, no money down. That that ought to tell you something. (laughs) Even Chuckles the Clown Schumer doesn't think he's got a shot at it. Again, eight percentage points right now when we're, what, five months away from the general election. Uh, That is, uh, again, I know it's a long way away, but uh, it's getting closer every day. And usually at this point, now, believe it or not, it actually, uh, history tells us it gets tighter as you get closer, but uh, in, in terms of the polling, but a eight, eight percentage point uh, difference is a, a pretty hefty change. Hey, listen, we're going to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Love to hear from you. 561-8255. More news and views for a Monday right after this. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. It is pouring outside our studios right now. You can hear the rain on the roof if you listen carefully. Uh, lots of rain over the next uh, 24 hours. Showers tonight and tomorrow. 90% chance of rain uh, both tonight and tomorrow. Uh, it just sort of tapers off tomorrow night. It's only 70% tomorrow night. Wednesday, cloudy skies, a slight chance of a shower in the afternoon. Uh, Over the next couple days, the highs, it does cool off. The highs will be in the uh, mid to upper 70s, maybe get into the low 80s. Uh, Overnight lows will be in the low to mid 60s. So uh, we need the rain. So the farmers are happy. 38 years ago today, in 1984, Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom, was released.
1: You call him Dr. Jones. My
0: professional name. Uh, Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford. Uh, So, Clark was telling me that they're going to come out with another Indiana Jones film. And Harrison uh, Ford will have have a role in it. I don't know if he's going to be the star or not. Do you realize how old this guy is? He's old. 80 years old. Harrison Ford. And the Temple of the Wheelchair. I... We'll call him Dr. Jones. My... Dr. Jones. So remember last week, Joe Biden announced that the United States was going to spend $119 million for 13 million doses of monkeypox vaccine when there was just one case reported. A man in Massachusetts had the virus. And I asked why. In fact, I found out that I wasn't the only one asking why. Well, it's even um, more interesting now that we find out some things about monkeypox. I mean, I asked, okay, is this going to be the next COVID to shut down the election? Uh, I'm not sure about that, but I do have a hunch as to why immediately with one case, although I think there was a second case that later popped up, we decide, oh, okay, one case, we're going to spend $119 million on these vaccines to get 13 million doses of this vaccine. According to a leading advisor with the World Health Organization, first of all, this, unlike COVID, does not easily spread. It, it is, I mean, you know, with COVID, you could just walk within two feet of someone and, uh, you know, if you breathed in the wrong direction, According to the experts, you could spread COVID. And a lot of people got COVID. A leading advisor to the World Health Organization described the unprecedented outbreak of monkeypox in developed countries as, quote, a random event. Are you ready for this? That might be explained by sexual behavior at two recent RAV sex parties in Europe. Now, if you're as naive as I am, I had to say, what is a RAV party? Well, a RAV party in general is they go out and rent out a warehouse and they'll have a big RAV party. It could be a, RAV, a, a, a RAV dance party, I suppose. But uh, in this case, they were RAV sex parties in warehouses. RAV, RAV, RAV. Rave, uh, well, I said I was naive. Rave, Rav? Yeah, it's a rave. <laughs> it's a rave, according to... Now, My how did you know that, Clark? <laughs> oh, well, I gotta go. <laughs> rav, Rave. Look, I said I was naive. I, I've i never been to one. That's word on the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just the word on the street. <laughs> that's what he's heard. He doesn't have any firsthand knowledge. Anyway, this guy, David ha- uh, Heyman, who was uh, formerly headed... Uh, World Health Organization Emergency Department told the Associated Press that the leading theory to explain the spread of the disease was sexual transmission among men at these rave parties held in Spain and in Belgium. Monkeypox has not previously triggered widespread outbreaks beyond Africa, where it's at an endemic in animals. Yeah. When you, when you get it, if you, you get these, if you're watching on cable or on Facebook or Rumble, you get these uh, blisters. So, anyway, all you got to do is sort of connect the dots. You know, you ask yourself, why would Joe Biden immediately, with just one case? Now, what's really going to be interesting, and some investigative reporter will probably find out, what was the where this one man that got it and now i think it's two men in the united states um what is their lifestyle and look i'm not i i want to i don't want to sound unsympathetic to anybody that has it but again when you have one or two cases and the president immediately jumps in and spends with a blink of an eye 119 million dollars you connect the dots Biden immediately came out, spent $119 million after one or two cases. Uh, A lot of people said, boy, that seems over the top. Until you realize that um, Biden is not going to upset some of his key constituents. Just saying. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to be, uh, I I, I don't wish anyone bad health. Uh, I'm just, it's going to be interesting to see where these people Who came down with monkeypox? Where were they? Um, We mere mortals will watch those with Divinity Complex as they gather once again in Davos, Switzerland for the World Economic Forum. They're having their annual meeting. It will run through this Thursday. Davos 2022 is centered on the theme, quote, history at a turning point, government policies, and business strategies. A variety of issues will be tackled, including the COVID-19 pandemic, global conflicts, economic uncertainty, and at the top of the list, climate change. Can't give up on climate change. I know climate change, you know, guys like John Kerry have really been upset that Ukraine, the war in Ukraine and uh, COVID has really, really put climate change on the back burner And he wants to elevate it, put it to the front burner. U.S. Envoy John Kerry, NATO Secretary Hans Stolenberg, and European Commissioner President Ursula von der Leyen are also expected to deliver remarks at the five-day event. And, of course, you can be sure John Kerry will talk about climate change. His Royal Highness John Kerry spoke to Bloomberg News. He did not even try to hide the fact, this is from earlier today, did not even try to hide the fact that the key topic of Davos in his favor is his favorite, climate change. But listen to what he says about it. I mean, listen carefully. I mean, you know, they sort of try to, in some cases, they try to hide the meaning. I mean, when when Obama came out and talked about, oh, you know, we're all about hope and change, what you thought he meant and what he meant were two different, entirely different things. Whenever a liberal, whenever a socialist, whenever progressive, you know, they have key words that have – potentially have a double meaning. And that's exactly how they speak, and that's exactly how John Kerry speaks, although he slipped up in this one, and he actually it was so bold to come out and call what they're doing with climate change a revolution. He did not hesitate to use the situation to promoting transferring, I'll say this too, trillions of dollars around the globe from nations like the United States to third world countries. This is John Kerry from earlier today.
1: What is your strategy to sustain our focus on climate change, given the tumult is measured by the price of coal? Well, President Biden has determined that over the course of the next months, we're gonna get ready for the next meeting by trying to raise ambition around the world. We are very busy right now Working with specific countries Indonesia Vietnam South Africa India to bring capital to the table to bring the finance and the Technology to help them be able to deploy uh, To meet the goals of the Glasgow Paris agreement But in addition to that we have to work to get the trillions of dollars deployed This is going to cost literally trillions of dollars on Wednesday We'll be making a major announcement with Bill Gates, with Mark Benioff of Salesforce, others of CEOs who are directing their companies to become first movers. They're 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 creating demand in the marketplace, mm-hmm. ordering 10 percent of the steel Volvo or Ford Motor Company will buy is going to be. Uh, green steel cement what? the largest cement dealer in the world Folsom Lafarge is producing green cement I mean there, there's just a whole range of things in aluminum in, in carbon removal On gas, you've talked about natural gas being central to the transition to a greener future, but not talked about investing over the next 30 to 40 years because you're hoping to transition away from that. How do you dovetail the now into the future? I think it's critical that uh, lending institutions that have a vast amount of capital involved in the fossil fuel industry begin to demand more from that industry. It is appropriate, I think, to have a gas transition for a short period, for some period of time, while you bring technology to scale that is gonna change altogether what we're doing. Mm -hmm. There's an enormous amount of research right now, and frankly, there's about a trillion dollars of venture capital already moving towards these new technologies. Green hydrogen, longer battery storage, direct air carbon capture, green uh, hydrogen. I mean, there are things that are gonna just change the way businesses do business, and that's gonna be part of this revolution.
0: What the heck is green hydrogen? What is green steel and green cement? What I am sorry. I I do not buy into this garbly gook. I know there's people out there Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. This is the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. Um and by the way, let me let me say you notice during the interview it sounded like there was they were sitting right behind a highway or they were, you know, doing construction. Now realize all these people with their divinity complexes are in davos the noise you heard in the background was the constant roar of helicopter engines private helicopters taking these royalty in and out of davos (laughs) i'm not kidding you they've got to go to this high class resort they got to be flown in on their private helicopters, and they're telling the rest of the world what we can and we can't do with our carbon footprint. But we are mere mortals. They are the ones with the divinity. (laughs) Listen, there's no hesitation by John Kerry. Notice the references to the banking industry. You know, he says, putting pressure on the fossil fuel industry. That's code speak for don't lend them any money. Shut down their banking. Cripple their ability to do business, banking industry. That's exactly what he is saying. Blackmail them until they capitulate. And yes, and he's going to spend trillions and trillions of dollars. I mean, he comes right out and says, This isn't going to be cheap. This isn't going to be cheap. It's going to cost trillions of dollars. Where do you think that money is going to come from? sucker. It's going to come from the American taxpayer. And where's it going to go? Third world countries. Vietnam, India. John Kerry does not care one iota about you, American citizen. You're a pawn. And by the way, How much money do you think John Kerry is going to get kicked back to him when they transfer a trillion dollars or a hundred billion dollars or whatever the amount is to Vietnam? Do you not think there's going to be a little bit of a finder's fee that goes to John Kerry? I guarantee you there is. Unbelievable. And these people sit up there just... As arrogant and proud, patting themselves on the back that they're saving the world when they know they don't get one iota about the air, <laughs> the climate. I mean, they're using climate change the same way the progressive used COVID during the general election. It's a means to an end. And the end is not clean air and clean water. Or not lower temperatures. Oh, there'll be kickbacks. I mean, one day, I don't know if it'll be in this lifetime. It might be at the Judgment Day. I don't know. I mean, at at the Judgment Day, I guess we won't care. They might care. (laughs) Some of these people will care. Some of these people will say, oh, I wish I hadn't. Uh, by the way, uh, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky will be speaking via um, virtually from Kiev to the uh, potentates over there at uh, Davos. But they want to meet the goals of the Paris Accord. Oh, we've got to meet the the goals of the Paris Accord. Oh yeah, we got a Bill Gates up there. Bill Gates will be right there. We'll have our green steel, green cement, green hydrogen, greenies. Hey, we got to take another time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back. is your drive at 5, and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So tomorrow's the primary down in Georgia. It looks like it'll probably be uh, Governor Kemp versus Stacey Abrams in the uh, general election. Stacey Abrams has got an interesting um, strategy, political strategy. Basically, it is this, um, Georgia sucks, so put me in charge of it. Stacey Abrams called Georgia the worst state to live. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Last time I checked, I don't think that's a good political strategy. Uh, I'm just going out on a limb here, Stace. <laughs> Gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams said on Saturday that Georgia is the worst state to live in. Her comments comes just days before the primary. Abrams gave a speech at Gwinnett Democrats' Bluetopia Gala over the weekend. According to an audio recording posted by the Gwinnett Daily Post, quote, I'm tired of hearing about how we're the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live, she said. Well, why don't you leave, Stace? (laughs) Let me contextualize, she continued, when you're number 48 for mental health and you're number one for uh, maternal mortality, when you have an incarceration rate that's on the rise and wages that are on decline, you're not the number one place to live. She added that the state is capable of greatness, but to do that, we need greatness to be in our governor's office. And uh, I'm sure Stacy would uh, strain herself. I uh, hope she doesn't pull any muscles and she pats herself on the back. We need someone who actually believes in bringing all of us there together oh i'm sure you're going to bring conservatives (laughs) you ever notice liberals whenever they say i want to bring everyone together isn't that what joe said in his inauguration oh i'm here to bring everybody together right joe (laughs) oh and we believe you stacy oh yeah you're going to bring all of us together Speaking to reporters at a joint conference with Japanese Prime Minister Fumo Kishita on Monday, President Joe Biden touted an alternative energy transition as gas prices continue to wreak havoc on American families and the U.S. economy. This is Cut 3, Clark. Here's Cousin Eddie from earlier today. When
1: it comes to the gas prices... Uh, We're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that, God willing, when it's over, we'll be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over.
0: God willing, when this transition is over, you'll be gone, Joe. (laughs) One way or the other. Either you'll be left this planet or at least you'll be left the White House. Listen. Listen to their words. Now, earlier, I played John Kerry talking about the fact that this is a revolution. They wanted to do away with fossil fuels. And now Joe's talking about this is a transition. This is deliberate by the Biden administration. This isn't incompetence. This is what they want. And they do not care one iota. If you can't run your car... If you can't afford the gas, if you can't heat your home, they don't care. If you go hungry, who cares? They don't care. Biden does not care about the people of this country. Have you not figured that out? I think the people are figuring it out. When you see the polling numbers, I think they figured it out. Now, again, my question is, and I'm, I'm trying to get Hans von Spikowski on for tomorrow. Just talked to his people just a few minutes ago, and the the, the subject will be election, election integrity. Hans just wrote another article came out today talking about the fact that uh, we have some things to be quite concerned about. I mean, up in Pennsylvania, they still don't know who's won the primary. You've got seven days after the election to count the votes. Why in the world are we allowing this to happen again? Why do I bring that up? As he says this, because this, this—I mean, this transition therein, they're in—they're screwing the American people. The American people are not going to vote for them. How are they going to stay in power? You better have your eyes wide open because there's going to be something going on. I guarantee it. I promise you that. We can only hope and pray that the people who say they've got it covered, have it covered. If you've ever not volunteered for anything to do with election, being a judge at your precinct, do it this year. Go and do it this year. Because I guarantee you there'll be some hanky-panky going on. So, I, I, again, understand climate change and carbon footprints is, you know, it's it's uh, a, a muse for what they really want to do. And I guarantee you it has a lot to do with the transfer of power and the transfer of money. I mean, this is the Biden crime family. You don't think they got some, they got their hand in somebody's, you know, their, their palms are greased. Somebody is paying them off. Biden also falsely claimed his policies have eased the burden of prices at the pump. Where does he come up with this? What I've been able to do to keep it from getting even worse. And it's bad, he continued. You will see what Europe is doing relative to the importation of Russian gas. What have you done, Joe? I mean, he just throws these things glibly out there. Nobody knows what he's talking about. Neither claim is true. Last week, prices hit a new record. 11 days in a row, they hit new records. Today, news broke that the administration is bracing for a diesel fuel shortage. That's going to help your grocery bill. Biden has repeatedly tapped the strategic oil reserves. Apparently, he's now going to tap the U.S. diesel supply. Heaven forbid if we have a real, true emergency. Further, Russian ruble is worth more today than it was before Vladimir Putin launches investigation in Ukraine. How's that working out for you, Joe? All the pressure on Vladimir Putin. The ruble has actually gone up in value. Uh, The dollar, not so much. Two weeks ago, the Biden administration halted oil and gas leasing for more than one million acres in Alaska and the Gulf of Mexico. Today, today, Biden is out there begging OPEC again. Please pump more oil. Yes, let's give our dollars to these nations that hate us. That pay for domestic for, for international terrorism. Let's give our money to them. And I guarantee you, you watch, we will, before Joe Biden is out of office, we will be importing oil again from Venezuela. Maduro and his henchmen and thugs down in Venezuela, make no mistake about it, we'll be importing from them. Why does—I mean, you got to come to this conclusion. He's doing this. He's ruining our economy. Inflation's terrible. And he mocks Donald Trump when Donald Trump says, make America great again. Would you you not think that would be a bipartisan theme? Let's make America great again? Now, I know he doesn't want to give Donald Trump any credit. If he said that, it would look like he's praising Donald Trump, and he doesn't want to do that. But in all honesty— He hates America. He does not want America to be great. He is bought in to the socialist progressive agenda that Barack Obama made real clear. He hated the United States. He hates what we stand for. He thinks we're an imperial government that's abused nations around the world to make ourselves better, that we don't stand for anything good. And Joe Biden is just following a lockstep with Barack Hussein Obama. And in the meantime... His family gets richer and richer as they continue their crime spree. We'll be right back.
1: ultra-high inflation. And it's my top domestic priority. To ultra-high cost of living. I know you gotta be frustrated.
0: I can taste it. Oh. It pays to be ultra-well informed. We're throwing
1: money away like drunken sailors. I'm so pissed off!
0: When you join the conversation. We're just printing more money, which adds to inflation, which destroys the American family. And that makes me sick. What happens next happens here with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and one o three seven. By the way, uh, speaking of Cousin Eddie, did you <laughs> did you see when he's getting off the plane in South Korea? He uh, comes off the plane. He's got his uh, you know cool Joe sunglasses on. Here's and, Johnny. <laughs> and he has a mask on. He so he's coming out of the airplane with his big black mask on and his you know Joe cool sunglasses. Comes all the way down the steps of Air Force One, gets to the bottom. And as he is getting ready to greet the uh, South Korean prime minister, he takes his mask off. (laughs) So when he's around nobody, he's wearing the mask. He gets down the bottom of the steps. First thing he does is pull off his mask. Uh, Yeah, I think it's called theater. By the way... I uh, I mentioned earlier how uh, Stacey Abrams is uh, not exactly using good political strategy with uh, telling everyone she wants to be the governor of Georgia, but Georgia stinks, according to her. The um, Washington Post admitted over the weekend that the number of Georgians turning out to vote at this year's midterm election primaries was surging. In fact, it's going to be a record high. So what did... Stacy say last go round that the me and remember this is this is why we moved the all-star game last year from Atlanta to Denver because those mean nasty Republicans that were elected to the legislature and the governor's mansion they put into effect voting regulations, to ensure integrity. And we were told that they it was Jim Crow 2.0 is what the president called it. Stacey Abrams said that there would be thousands of people disenfranchised. How dare they do that? Guess what? We are going to set a record. Set a record for this primary. And uh, what's really interesting about this is uh, we're going to have a black Republican and Herschel Walker, it looks like he's going to win for the Republicans, uh, running against Warnock, or Warlock, whatever his name is. And uh, yeah, it's going to really be so. And and we've got a uh, black liberal running is probably going to be the nominee for a governor. But uh, yet she says they're all disenfranchised. Uh, bottom line, and again, I hope to talk to Hans tomorrow. I hope we have more on tomorrow. But bottom line is they want to cheat can we we've got to be able to cheat to win I, i mean my gosh if if the democrats won or win i should say in november yeah it's it's that's about all you need to know it is uh not going to be pretty. Uh, Joe Biden's cognitive disabilities are really endangering the United States. If you haven't noticed, uh, he's done it again.
1: What happened?
0: Speaking at a news conference in Japan, Biden said yes when a reporter asked whether or not he's willing to get involved militarily to defend, defend Taiwan if it comes to that. So, in other words, the question is, okay, just as Russia went into Ukraine, will Russia go into, I mean, will China go into Taiwan and uh, would we defend Taiwan, militarily defend Taiwan if that happens? And Joe said, yes. And immediately the White House staffers had to come out and say, eh, he didn't mean what he said. <laughs> he meant something totally different. Uh, and this is uh, hardly the first time. Uh, in fact, in mid-March, Biden said that Russian uh, Russian President Putin cannot remain in power. So we we're going to take him out, apparently, to Joe uh, in March Biden appeared to suggest American troops would be sent to Ukraine. Not so. Uh, Back in the fall in a CNN town hall, he suggested considering using the National Guard to use supply chain issues, address supply chain issues. Not so. Uh, Last summer, Biden briefly uh, said that a bipartisan infrastructure deal, um, that he wouldn't sign the measure unless a bigger domestic package was on his desk. Uh, He had to walk that back. Joe Biden is a danger to the American people. Enough said? I think so. We'll see you tomorrow at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.